Welcome to the New Point Community Church Podcast. This message is part of our series, Life is Complicated, We Can Help. We want to thank you for joining us, and we hope you continue to realize and reach your full potential in Jesus Christ. Hello, New Point. I want to welcome all of you at our physical locations, along with those of you joining us online. Now, I want to encourage you and invite you to follow along with the notes. And you can use our New Point app. And if you will go to Sundays, the tab, you'll see their weekly notes at the top. And I want to encourage you to follow along because we're going to learn a whole lot of stuff today. We're in week two of our series, This Is Us, and we're discovering more and more about who we are and how it relates to God and how it relates to one another and even the church. Now, to do that, we're going to take a look at the Enneagram, okay? Now, I want you to know that I realize that there's all kinds of information available out there online about the Enneagram. Some is good, some is bad. And we're not going to get caught up in certain views or opinions on the matter. I just simply want us to take a look at the Enneagram from a practical view, from a biblical view, and understand that it's really no different than the Myers-Briggs or maybe a disc. And what we have to understand is God is the great designer. He's the one who knitted you together in your mother's womb. And we want to take a look at how he has fashioned and designed you and me as his kids, and we want to be able to have a better understanding of who we are and how we think and why we do what we do. And not only us, but also those around us, our spouses and our kids and our moms and our dads and our friends. You see, we're all different. None of us have the same fingerprints or eyes. You are unique. No one is quite like you. But the question is, Are you aware of who you are? And do you understand why you do what you do? You see, I I believe that too many of us lack self-awareness, and we don't have that self-awareness, and so maybe we bother people because we don't honor their space. And the key is knowing who you are, knowing how you're wired. You see, apart from knowing who you are, it's really hard to understand and know who God is because there is no deep knowing of God without a knowing of yourself. And there's no deep knowing of self without a deep knowing of God. And the Enneagram helps us with this. And so when it comes to Christ, there is a self to lose and a self to find. And we have a personality. You have a personality, I have a personality, and it's different. And there's part of it that's good, part of it that's healthy, and part of it that's not so good and not so healthy. And so that's what we're looking at. This is us. Now, Jesus is recorded by saying this, and he's talking to Jews who had come to know him, believe in him, and they, they had all this baggage in their life, and he was wanting them to shed that, to shed their old self, and to be able to come into the new self that he has for them in the person of Jesus Christ. And so he writes these words, or he says these words. He says, if you continue to obey my teachings, you are truly my followers. 
then you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Make you free. And so he's inviting these Jews to come in and to learn from him, and not just learn from him just one time, but to continue to walk in his truth. And he says, if you'll do that, you'll be my true followers, and guess what? The end result is you'll experience freedom. And so that's his invitation to you and me, and that's my invitation to you. You see, you can't put off your old self and put on your new self unless you're in touch with yourself. And so the goal is to know yourself in light of truth because it's the truth that sets you free. And and when we have that truth, then you and I can quit trying to be someone that we're not, and we can embrace who we really are and who God designed you and I to be. And so how do you get to know yourself? Well, for most of us, it's through maybe our spouse, maybe friends, maybe family, maybe a counselor. But today, I want us to look at the Enneagram. And again, I, I want to remind you, this is not a new age thing, okay? Now, it's not copyrighted because the Desert Fathers are the ones who created it, and so anybody can use it. And if you go online, you'll find all kinds of people using it And not all of them are using it in a correct way, a biblical way. But I want you to know that originally it's rooted in biblical truth and scriptural truth to be able to help people develop their spiritual life and a spiritual formation and a relationship with God, to be able to deal with their old self so that they can come into the new self that Jesus Christ has purchased. Now, these formations that we're gonna talk about have led to Uh, the seven deadly sins. And maybe some of you are familiar with the seven deadly sins. This is where it came out of. And if you can understand this, then what will happen is this. You will position yourself to be able to reach your full potential in Jesus Christ. And that's what we're all about here, okay? That's what we're all about. But there'll be a struggle, okay? There'll be a fight because there's, there's a side that's really inviting, and then there's a side that maybe you and I will want to shy away from. And, and, and what happens is the Enneagram talks about the sins that you and I are so easily attached to. And it acknowledges that, you know what, Dwight, because you're wired this way, here's a sin that you're going to have to fight with the rest of your life. And so that's why it's so good. And it uncovers my motivation. It uncovers the reason why I do what I do, what drives me. So let me ask you a question. What are your greatest struggles? What are your greatest temptations? You know, we we hear this from time to time, don't we, that you are the sum of the decisions that you have made. But what that statement fails to recognize is the thing that motivates you and the thing that motivates me to make those decisions. You know, I'm sure that all of us at one time or another have thought, Why did they make that decision? Why do they think that way? Why do they behave that way? Well, what we want to do is we want to be able to discover what motivates you, what motivates them, and the Enneagram does that. You see, what happens is each number is linked to a different personality. And what I want to do today is I want to walk us through the nine different types. And each type has a different way of seeing the world. Each type has a different motivation of making decisions. And I'm only going to give you a brief description 
of it today. We'll dive into it deeper in the weeks to come, all right? So let's, let's look at this. We're gonna have some fun, by the way, okay? So, so just be ready to enjoy yourself. The first one is type one, and that is the reformer. And that is the person who is ethical, dedicated, reliable, meticulous, and morally heroic, all right? Got anybody in mind? Their motivation is the need to live life the right way, the right way. And they make decisions by asking, what's the principal thing to do? And when they're healthy and they're functioning right, they reflect God's goodness and rightness. How about number two? Type two, the helper. Warm, caring, giving. What's their motivation? Their motivation is a need to be loved and needed but avoid acknowledging their own need. They don't acknowledge it, okay? The way in which they make decisions, they ask the question, will this decision negatively impact other people? When they're healthy and they're functioning right, the way in which God has created them, they reflect God's love and care. Now, type three is the achiever, all right? The achiever, success-oriented, image-conscious, they're wired for productivity. I mean, they get things done, okay? Their motivation is this, a need to succeed or to appear successful and to avoid failure at all costs. And so how do they make decisions? Well, what's the most efficient choice? And when they're healthy and they're functioning right, all right, they reflect God's hope and radiance, okay? They're just filled with hope, okay? And then we have type four, the individualist. And the individualist is creative, sensitive, emotional. What's their motivation? A need to be understood, right? Because they're emotional, right? And the desire to be special and unique. How do they make decisions, okay? Which direction is my intuition telling me to go? And when they're healthy and they're functioning the way in which God designed them, they reflect his creativity and depth. Now, let's look at number five. That's the investigator, okay? Analytical. They're detached. They're very private, okay? Their motivation is a need to gain knowledge and conserve energy and avoid relying on others, all right? Now, how do they make decisions, okay? What do the facts and the data say, okay? I, I know you're thinking of somebody right now, okay? Don't do that, okay? Don't do that. Come back to me, okay? Now, when the five is healthy, okay, and doing well, okay, they reflect God's wisdom and insight. They reflect God's wisdom and insight. And then type six is the loyalist, committed, practical, even witty, okay? They're even witty. Now, their motivation is the fear of worst-case scenario and the need for what? Security, safety, and support. How do they make decisions? Which decision involves the least risk, okay? When they're healthy and they're functioning the way that God created them to, to function, they exhibit his faithfulness and courage. And then we have type seven, the enthusiast, all right? They're fun. They're the life of the party, okay? Spontaneous. They're adventurous, okay? Their motivation their motivation is a need to be happy, okay? These people want to be happy, and they plan stimulating experiences, and they avoid 
pain. So if you want to have a party, you want to invite these folks, okay? Decision-making, do I have multiple options for all possible decisions? And when they're healthy and they're functioning in the way in which God's designed them, they reflect his joy and abundance. And then we have type eight, the challenger, okay? Commanding, they're intense, they're confrontational. Their motivation is a need to assert strength and control. Now, how do they make decisions? How can I solve this problem quickly and decisively? And when they're functioning right in the way in which God designed them, they reflect his power and protection. And then we have type nine, the peacemaker, all right? Pleasant, laid back, accommodating, okay? Their motivation a need to keep the peace and avoid conflict at all costs. And how do they make decisions? Well, based on the feedback that they've received, this is the direction that we're going to move in. So they get feedback and then they say, okay, hey, this is where everybody wants to go. We're gonna go that way. Now, what happens is when they're functioning healthy and, and in the way that God designed them, they reflect his peace and oneness. Now, I know what's happening right now, okay? You're already saying, I know which one I am. I know which one I am. I know which one my wife is. I know which one my, my dad is. I know which one my son is or my boss, okay? And, and, and it can be easy to see yourself or others in all of these. But the important thing that you need to realize is not the what, but rather the why, the motivation, okay? That is, why do they do what they do? Okay, that, that's the way that you want to look at this. It's through the motivation, how you relate to them. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read a paragraph, all right? They're not gonna be in order, but I'm gonna read a paragraph that gives a description of each of these nine. And what I want you to do is I want you to pick three of them, three of them. They're gonna be lettered out, okay? I want you to pick three of them. And you can use your notes, okay? And I want you to pick three of them. Now, the easiest way to, to do this is, is to be able to, don't think of anybody else, all right? I know it's gonna be tempting to do that. Just think about you. And when you hear the motive that relates to you most, then write the letter in one of those three spaces. Now, remember, the most important thing is not what you do. It's why you do it. This is about who you are and why you do what you do. Now, you gotta be brutally honest with yourself, okay? All right, we're not trying to buttonhole anybody. You're valuable, you're special, you're unique, but you wanna be who God has created you to be. You wanna be your authentic self. And so let's jump in, let's have some fun, all right? So here's option A, and so let's go through this. I approach things in an all or nothing way, especially issues that matter to me. I place a lot of value on being strong and honest and dependable. What you see is what you get. I don't trust others until they have proven themselves to be reliable. I like people to be direct with me, and I know when someone is being devious, lying, or trying to manipulate me. I have a hard time tolerating weaknesses in people unless I understand the reason for it. I also have a hard time following orders 
or directions if I do not respect or agree with the person in authority. I am much better at taking charge myself. I am always ready to stick up for friends or loved ones, especially if I think that they are being treated unjustly. Okay, you say, I I know who this is. This is my dad, okay? Don't go there. We're talking about you, okay? If, If that's you, then you can write down the letter A, all right? Let's go to option B. Option B, I have a high internal standard for correctness. I expect myself to live up to those standards. It's easy for me to see what's wrong with things as they are and to see how they could be improved. I know you're thinking of your mother-in-law. Don't go there, okay? I may come across to some people as overly critical or demanding perfection, but it's hard for me to ignore or to accept things that are not done the right way. I sometimes have feelings of resentment when people don't try to do things properly or when people act irresponsibly or unfairly, although I usually try not to show them openly, right? Goes, for me, it's usually work before pleasure, and I suppress my desires as necessary to get the work done. If that's you, okay, if that's your motivation, then put the letter B there. Let's go to option C, okay? I seem to be able to see all points of view pretty easily. I may even appear indecisive at times because I can see advantages and disadvantages to all sides. The ability to see all sides makes me good at helping people resolve their differences. This same ability can sometimes lead me to be more aware of other people's positions and agendas and personal priorities than my own. It is not unusual for me to become distracted and then get off task on the important things I'm trying to do. I avoid conflict by going along with what others want. People tend to consider me to be easygoing, pleasing, and agreeable. It takes a lot to get me to the point of showing my anger directly at someone. Wow. Now, again, if that's your motivation, then just put down the letter C. Here's option D, all right? Are you having fun? I trust that you are, okay? Very, very interesting, isn't it? Enlightening. I am sensitive to other people's feelings. I can see what they need even when I don't know them. Wow. Sometimes it's frustrating to be so aware of people's needs, especially their pain, because I'm not able to do as much for them as I'd like to. It's easy for me to give of myself. I sometimes wish I were better at saying no because I end up putting more energy in caring for others than taking care of myself. It hurts my feelings if people think I'm trying to manipulate or control them when all I'm trying to do is to understand them and help them. When I am not taken into account or appreciated, I can become emotional or even demanding. Good relationships mean a great deal to me, and I'm willing to work hard to make them happen. You know, you're saying, that's my mom, that's my mom. Maybe, I don't know, but is it you? That's what we're wondering, okay? Let's go to option E, all right? Being the best at what I do is a strong motivator for me, and I have received a lot of recognition over the years for my accomplishments. I identify strongly with what I do because To a large degree, I think my value is based on what I accomplish. I have always had more to do than will fit in 
the time available. So I often set aside feelings and self-reflection in order to get things done. I often find it hard to just sit and do nothing. I get impatient with people who don't use my time well. I like to feel and appear on top of any situation. While I like to compete, I'm also a good team player. I would characterize myself as quiet, an analytical person who needs more time alone than most people do. I usually prefer to observe what is going on rather than be involved in the middle of it. Wow. I don't like people to place too many demands on me or to expect me to know and report what I am feeling. I'm able to get in touch with my feelings better when I am alone and with, than with others. And I often enjoy experiences I've had more when reliving them than when actually going through them. I am almost never bored when alone because I have an active mental life. It is important for me to protect my time and energy and hence to live a simple, uncomplicated life and be as self-sufficient as possible. Is that you? If so, put the letter F down, all right? And then we move on to option G. I have a vivid imagination, especially when it comes to what might be threatening to safety and security. I can usually spot what could be dangerous or harmful, okay, and may experience as much fear as if it were really happening. I either tend to avoid danger or tend to challenge it head on. My imagination also leads my ingenuity and a leads to my ingenuity and a good, if somewhat offbeat, sense of humor. I would like for life to be a little bit more certain, but in general, I seem to doubt or question the people and the things around me. I tend to be suspicious of authority, and I am not particularly comfortable being seen as the authority. Because I can see what is wrong with the general held view of things, I tend to identify with the underdog causes. Once I have committed myself to a person or a cause, I am very, very loyal. Maybe it's your friend. I don't know, okay? The question is, is it you? Let's go to option H. I am an optimist person who enjoys coming up with new and interesting things to do. I have a very active mind that quickly moves back and forth between different ideas, all right? Attention disorder, okay? Squirrel, you know that, right? Okay, I like to get a global picture of how these things, these ideas fit together, and I get excited when I can connect concepts that initially don't appear to be related. I have a difficult time sticking with unrewarded and repetitive tasks. I like to be in on the beginning of a project during the planning phase, but when I have exhausted my interest in something, it is difficult for me to stay with it because I want to move on to the next thing. Wow. If something gets me down, I prefer to shift my attention to more pleasant ideas. All right? Wow. Is that you? You know, I know you got a friend like that, okay, but is that you? Let's go to option I, all right? I am a sensitive person with intense feelings. I often feel misunderstood, all right, 
and lonely because I feel different from everyone else. My behavior can appear like drama to others, and I have been criticized for being overly sensitive. What is really going on inside of me is my longing, listen to this, my longing for emotional connection. I have difficulty fully appreciating present relationships because of my tendency to want what I can't have. The absence of emotional connection has led to melancholy and depression in my life. I sometimes wonder why other people seem to have more than I do. I have a refined sense of art, and I experience a rich world of emotions and meaning. Wow. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Those are the nine types. I hope that you got three, but really there's only one that really relates to you. And what I want you to do is I just want you to take a moment of those top three and just say, which one is really me? One that stands out. Now, this is a process, okay? So, so it's, you're gonna continue to learn and grow and understand who you are. But for today, which one stands out to you as being you? Now, let me help you with that, all right? The A is type eight. The B is type one, the C is type nine, the D is type two, the E is type three, the F is type five, the G is type six, the H is type seven, and the I is type four. Now, when you look at these findings, okay, and, and we're gonna do this in the coming weeks, okay? We're gonna take a real strong look at each and every one of this. This is going to help you on your journey. This is gonna help you understand who you are and who God is and how you can relate to one another. By, by the way, this is gonna help your marriage. This is gonna help your parenting because you're gonna understand her like you've never understood her before. You're gonna understand him. You're gonna understand your kids. You're gonna understand your mom and dad. We've had these talks at our house and my kids are finally understanding me a little bit better, all right? And, and this is why we're doing this because it's so important that you understand yourself, that you understand those around you and, and, and what happens is it can strengthen your relationships. It can help the church because here's what I want you to know. Every one of these personalities contributes to the church. You're a blessing to the church. Never forget that because you reflect who God is. And so all of us are needed. All of us are valued. You see, David wrote it like this, and I love this, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. That means that I understand myself better. I understand what motivates me. I understand what motivates you. I understand how you make decisions. You understand how I make decisions. And so what happens is it allows us to experience unity. And then the Hebrew writer writes it this way, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. He says, make every effort. And so I'm gonna encourage you not to miss one of these lessons or messages, that you'll make every effort because God has made you unique in your own special way. And what he desires is that each of us come together, okay? Bring who we are. We work together. We love one another together. And you know what? That we do something beautiful together. And so I wanna ask you a question, okay? What are you gonna do to make every effort to live in peace with your spouse, with your kids, 
with your mom and dad, with your coworkers, with those of us here at New Point. You see, listen, it's so important that you and I understand the ins and outs of the ways of other people, of what motivates them, how they make decisions. Because what happens is, have you learned that people don't make decisions the way that you make them? They don't perceive the world that you perceive? And so what happens is we can have all the knowledge in the world, but if we don't understand what motivates our thinking and other people's thinking, then guess what happens is we're constantly in conflict. And so the reason for this series is so that you and I can continue to gain understanding about ourselves, about one another, and how God has made us. And I am looking forward to diving into this further. And so I trust that you'll join us for the next six weeks. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that truly, as the psalmist wrote, we are wonderfully and fearfully made. And yet we want to embrace truth because we wanna be free. You have come and you have died and you rose again so that we could be who you created us to be. And so God, I pray for myself and I pray for all of my friends here today, that we would realize how special each of us are and that we're unique and that you've wired us a certain way and that you want us to live out this truth so that we can experience life and life to the fullest and that we can reach our potential in you. Thank you so much, God, for who you are and for how you have created us. And it's in Jesus' name we give thanks. Amen. If you want to talk to someone about a decision you've made or let us know how God's moving through this series, visit newpoint.org forward slash contact. Be sure to stay connected with us throughout the week on social media, download our app, subscribe to our weekly podcasts through the App Store or Google Play, or catch us on Roku or Apple TV. Thanks for listening to today's message, and we hope you continue to realize and reach your full potential in Jesus Christ.